Industry Pods and Evergreen Podcast Network are pleased to present the following podcast. Some amazing conversations so far. Now we're going to turn our focus into the future. And here to look at crypto investing in 2021 and beyond is Abra's Deepak Ghosh, H2 Crypto's George Kushner, TradeStation Crypto's James Putra, Grayscale Investments' David Bryder, Boost VC's Adam Draper, and Luna Crush's Joe Bazzani. Well, rolling in one by one. What's up, everyone? Uh, Hello. Welcome to the 1045 session at the LA Blockchain Summit, Crypto Investing 2021 and Beyond. I have a feeling we will be trending towards the beyond portion of that title. Uh, My name is Joe Vizzani. I'm the CEO of Lunar Crush, a social intelligence company for crypto. And today I have the opportunity and pleasure of having a conversation with this fantastic group of individuals. Um, love for you guys to do some introductions. If we can start, we'll we'll just go alphabetical. First name, Adam Draper. Who are you? What do you do? Uh, how's it going? Uh, it's good good to see you, Joe. Good to see you too. Yeah, it's great to see you, uh, and all of all of you other humans also. But I, I just <laughs> want to say thank you to the Blockchain Summit. Uh, my, my my name's Adam Draper. Uh, I'm the founder and managing director of Boost VC. I was the first investor in Coinbase, uh, which is probably relevant to this panel and then i uh we also at boost vc were the first fund to focus on cryptocurrency we've invested in about 110 related crypto companies which we're rebranding as web3 i think now so let's uh, i'll just start saying web3 instead of crypto or is yeah is that a topic we should discuss we could could decide it on this this panel whether or not it's up to us um yeah, I mean, I mean, I've just been a huge fan of, of the people in this industry for a long time, and uh, yeah, happy to be here. Thanks, man. David, David, popping over to you. Hey, everyone. Great to be here. Uh, I'm David Greider. I'm currently the uh, head of research at Grayscale Investments. Uh, Grayscale's largest uh, digital currency asset manager in the world. Uh, I've been investing in and around the crypto ecosystem. Started getting in crypto back in 2015. Uh, and, you know, I've been, uh, you know, various places on Wall Street covering crypto assets. Very excited to uh, talk to you all about everything that we're seeing in the markets today. Very excited. A couple awesome intros. Deepak. Hi. Uh, thank you so much for having me here. Uh, very excited to be here. Uh, my name is Deepak Koch. Uh, I'm the director of product here at Abra. Um, and, uh, yeah, been involved in the crypto space for a while, non-professionally, but professionally, this is my first contact with crypto. Super excited, always been bullish on space and, uh, um, yeah, I'm finally uh, glad to be part of the space now. That's awesome. And welcome, uh, George, nice windows. Great, great setting there. It's all fake, but doesn't it look great? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I-, I can bang on it. Hello, everybody on the panel and everyone around the world watching. Nice to meet everyone. My name is George Kushner, and I am the CEO of H2 Crypto, which is a next-gen cryptocurrency exchange, and we have an impending impending launch we're looking at. Uh, My background is interesting in the fact that I am a a TradFi convert. I spent almost 27 years in traditional finance and got a hold of Bitcoin and blockchain and DLT several years back, had the epiphany. And I was like, why am I in this business? I need to go to where the future is. So hello to everyone. Welcome, welcome. And then James. 
Thank you very much for having me here. My name is James Putra. I'm VP of product over at TradeStation Crypto. We are a online retail broker that offers multiple asset classes, equities, options, futures, futures options, and crypto all under one brand. Um, I got involved in crypto probably early on, like 2015. Uh, a buddy of mine who's probably watching this is thinking, how the heck did this happen after convincing me to first start trading to now be here at LA Blockchain talking to everybody. So I'm excited. Thank you very much for having me. That's awesome. Yeah, I lo love TradeStation. Um, so I want to always start, you know, we're going to get into some stuff that's a little bit more um, kind of, uh, you know, complicated when it comes to kind of investing. But I did want to start with, you know, something a little bit more simple for everyone, because sometimes with investing, you know, we've got there, there's more folks that are new than our kind of veterans. And so, you know, the question and we can kind of go around again is, you know, there's a new face at the holidays this year. It could be anyone. They don't own any crypto yet. Um, how do you introduce them, in, you know, today in 2021 at this juncture? Um, you know, what do you say to them when they say, hey, I want to start investing in crypto? And Adam, you can kick us off again if you want. Uh, yeah, in 2014, I bought my in-laws. Uh, every Bitcoin was $500 or something. And so I, I gave my in-laws a couple of Bitcoin. Uh, in, and then in two years, three years later, I bought them, uh, some Ethereum uh, when it was at like 20 and then, and so turns out giving money is a good, good way of, of getting in. But I also have gone through phases of giving like crypto kitties, uh, like which, which it was much more difficult when there wasn't really a visual like wallet where you could actually like visualize them. So yeah, here's this hash of your new thing. So, so here's the hash. And then I printed it out on a piece of paper. I was like, so here's the hash. I'm pretty sure I technically still own the crypto kitty I gave away. <laughs> no one, no one like claimed it and put it in their own wallet. Uh, so I, I genuinely think it's more, uh, the holidays is just a great time to educate people, people who have recently jumped ship to the, uh, you know, the dark side of crypto or light side. I don't know. Which side are we on? Are we on? However you wake up the dark side. <laughs> One of the sides, the side of the future of finance. Uh, like it, it, I'd say those, those people are going to have really great conversations. Uh, I've been the Bitcoin person in my family for too long, but that I, I don't think they want to talk to me about it anymore. But the, the people where that's a new conversation, that's going to be a great way to educate everyone on what you're doing and why, because the markets have de developed so much. So it's super exciting. So basically just giving them, giving them some and saying, Hey, follow this. Completely. Actually, I, I, what I should say uh, is the, the hot term in, in crypto and in virtual reality. So boost VC, we were the accelerator for sci-fi. So we invest in all, all sorts of uh, futuristic things. Uh, the the things that would be really interesting that are like the future to give away would be uh oculus headsets and then decentraland property so that that those would both be very interesting things to give away that no one would really understand for another five years which uh i think is my purpose in life very cool so put on the oculus get into decentraland you know buy your land and you're good to go and then start selling some stuff Do at the shop all. you created um, D David, interested to hear your, your take on what's the first thing that you tell someone? Is it go to Fidelity account, get GBTC? Is it go, you know, is it, where, where do you sit on that? Well, that's, that's absolutely an option. Uh, <laughs> that was, that was actually one of the, the first ways when I, when I first got involved in crypto, 
that, that I got um, access was really through GBTC. Uh, but then, you know, obviously Ethereum came and I was able to get into that. And, and I think that the kind of along the same lines of what Adam's saying, I think the real answer is you just need to buy a little bit or get gifted a little bit. It doesn't have to be a huge amount, but I think that like the key to crypto and really getting kind of involved in it to a degree where you, you know, really know what you're doing is just, just getting a little bit of exposure. That'll get you interested in how this stuff works. You'll, you'll start to research more. You'll figure out how it works. You'll send some transactions. Maybe you'll pop on to, you know, DeFi if, if you get, if you get, you know, courageous enough, uh, do some transactions, buy some NFTs, right? Maybe go to Decentraland and, and, and buy, buy something, right? And I, I think that that's really kind of the first step uh, to kind of getting involved, maybe even getting into the community eventually is, is kind of the goal we, we obviously want these people to really get to. But I think the first step is really just taking that first uh, little allocation and, and buy some interesting things, right, that maybe are beyond Bitcoin. I think really at, at this point, right, we're seeing a, a trend for, you know, with our clients of investors, you know, looking to diversify. And, you know, like Adam mentioned, I Decentraland, that's one really interesting one that, that, you know, we also have a product around and we think that's, that's interesting as well. So those are kind of the, uh, the ways that I would recommend folks get involved and then they can do their homework and educate themselves as they go along from there. And, and when they do that homework and educate themselves, are, do you see any kind of trend with like the aha moment with people that come back and they're like, holy shit, you're right. Like, what is all this? And they're coming back with following questions. Do you see any trends there? Uh, personally, I mean, I've seen that when people start to use crypto and I, I think that you, once you realize, you know, how seamlessly you can send money over the internet, how, how you really unlock like an entire internet economy across the globe, the things you can do in, in seconds and fractions of the cost, the, you know, the, the different trust factors that you can have with someone you don't know across the internet and, and what it does for e-commerce. Like, I think, I think that aha moment is really when you get into actually using crypto. Cause I mean, you can buy it, you can let it sit on Coinbase or you can, you know, let it sit in your brokerage account at, you know, Robinhood or whatever it may be. But you don't actually know what crypto is and the innovation of what the technology brings and why this movement has value until you actually really experience it firsthand and become an actual participant in the economy. You're just you're just an outside investor who, you know, is maybe not, you know, not doing it because you kind of really have a full understanding or someone told you. Uh, but, you know, I think then that's when you actually have the conviction to really understand what you're investing in, to know, to hold it for the long term, like Adam talked about, and to know that you're really ahead of the curve with something. And I think that's probably, you know, in my view, a good way to approach it. Yeah, you're not, you're not really a crypto investor until you've sent 30 grand across a bridge and you go to Etherscan and it literally says black hole. So until you've, <laughs> until you've done that, um, you're not really in. Uh, what what do you tell people? Um, you know, when they're coming in, how do you kind of get them on board? Yeah. Um, so I agree with both Adam and David here. Um, uh, you're just getting started is sort of is the first entry, first contact with it. And then you basically learn. Um, but I've had a bunch of these conversations and, um, uh, you know, there's some element of me trying to figure out sort of what the risk profile is, um, at the very least to simplify things at the very least, I would just typically look at the investment horizon. So I probably not ask my dad um, to get into BTC right now. Um, and, and uh, you know, so, so some level of understanding sort of what the investment horizon is and uh, where they are in their lives and so on and so forth. Um, but, uh, you know, once you get past that, uh, it's all about, you know, uh, allocating some amount of your portfolio to, you know, and even in crypto, like there's, 
you know, a hundred plus cryptos that you can uh, at least sort of invest in. So it's all about me trying to understand sort of, you know, what, what their allocation uh, strategy could be, uh, what their risk profile is, if they're sort of, you know, hungry, um, they've seen the charts, that's their aha moment, like, oh my goodness, that, that chart looks insane, you know, um, you know, over, over the past, like maybe five, eight years or something, and it just keeps going like that. Um, you know, I would probably uh, recommend some little bit higher risk assets uh, to put their money into. Uh, if they're not very, you know, sort of appetizers and they're quite BTC all the way, you know, it just depends on sort of where they are and, and the best I could do to try to understand what the risk profile is and so on. And ultimately, you know, agreed with Adam and David, it's, uh, it's about going and learning and, and sort of about what you're investing in and so on. Um, so that's that's pretty much it. That's sort of what my uh, my usual methodology is. Okay, very very cool, George. Do you have anything kind of outside of that that you're telling some of your friends? You know, look, I think that um, it sounds like it's a little bit of a common denominator with several of the other panelists. Education is key, and again, having a very heavy background in Wall Street and capital markets, I think that the best cardinal rule of investing is make sure you you know what you're investing in, or at least have semblance of what you're investing in. And I think for for me personally, in my own going down the rabbit hole and understanding Bitcoin and, and the whole kind of cryptocurrency universe, I wanted to start with the foundational basis. So what is blockchain? What is distributed ledger technology? I'm not a technologist, nor do you have to be to be involved in this landscape. So if I met somebody at a party or a friend of mine comes up to me and doesn't know anything about the space, I would say, look, jump on YouTube. There's some very short videos on what is blockchain, what is distributed ledger technology, then look and see what is Bitcoin. So you truly kind of understand what you're dealing with. Then I would tell them to effectuate a small trade, buy some Bitcoin, buy some Ether. And once you have it set up, you have someone you trust, send some to a, a friend of yours in a wallet, just so you know how these processes work. But I honestly think that the KISS technique, keep it simple, stupid, uh, makes the most sense. Otherwise, you're going to lose people very, very fast because it's a complicated space to be in. Yeah, it's like traditional finance is already too difficult, you know, and too crazy for for a lot of people to even want to get into. And now we're throwing around things like decentralized autonomous organization and 17% stablecoin APY. So it's definitely got to go slow. Uh, exactly. James, if you had any comments on that, but also if you could kind of parlay it into, I want to know, you know, what what was your most recent investment and what kind of diligence did you do on that? And you know, in, in this space right now, there's a lot of projects that are on the market that are out there. There's a lot of private deals going around. There's equity slash token deals, token only deals. Like how are you, how are you looking at diligence when you're making a decision? Um, and some of these deals that are moving around so quickly where it's allocations just kind of get shrunk down into these small amounts. And how are you kind of thinking about that? Sure. I'll answer the first question. Uh, I'm excited to actually be able to answer that question this year and not uh, hear, oh, God, here's this guy again. Um, <laughs> you know, really, what I, everything we talk about for all the panelists have been right on the nail, hit the nail right on the head. My, my suggestion usually is take five to $10, price of a cup of coffee, just buy something. I'll even match you 10 bucks if you buy something and, and show them your wallet. Um, it's really so I get in the game and start figuring it out. Uh, to, the, to the next question about where do we think about diligence and how do we uh, kind of evaluate a variety of different uh, opportunities in the space? Um, that's a very challenging thing in the crypto space because, as you pointed out, there's so many unique opportunities. And so when I look at like from my traceation lens, 
there's probably 20 different paths we can go to do investments and really create really important businesses. Uh, when I look at the kind of personal side, I, I look at what are the things I can do in my portfolio. And as a trader, uh, I look at everything really coming through that, that lens. So uh, a recent one that I did was a collateralized borrow where I'm looking to lever up my position. So what I did was I engaged my counterparty. I started to look at what are their practices? Who's this company? Uh, I dug into what the contract terms are. What are my obligations? What are my margin call requirements? Uh, I did an assessment of how much pain I could withstand if the trade went against me. And I, I had an organized exit plan, including uh, what would invalidate my thesis. And then I pulled the trigger and that's, sort of the basic framework that I would go through for a just placing on any kind of trade, but it also goes into any type of investment we're going to do as a firm for a new product, a new business line, or potentially a new investment in another company that would be complementary to our services. What, that, like when you say there's something that could invalidate your thesis, how often do you actually get out of that trade or the, are there emotions sometimes that go and you're like, ah, I was wrong. Or like the, the ground is shifted underneath me. And, uh, you know, are you always pulling out when you know that that kind of has hit or sometimes do you let it ride? Um, you know, I try to be as mechanical as possible, but I'm human and I get wrapped up in the excitement. So, um, I think more often than not, I'm pretty mechanical on my decisions, uh, but there are a few, and it is very easy to fall in love with a trade and an idea and uh, not want to see that through to the end. Uh, I remember those quite a bit. Usually they result in a painful loss <laughs> for me. Um, I'll say all about these crazy losses, but they're, um, yeah, it, it's really, I try really hard upfront to know what my game plan is and what I should expect and what would invalidate my thesis so that it's mechanical for me on the, the backside of the trade. So, so stick to the plan. Yeah. Um, Adam, do you stick to the plan? I can't even imagine like the deal flow that you're seeing, um, you know, from all sorts of angles and, and how do you kind of delineate crypto versus non-crypto and, and what kind of diligence are you doing? Well, it, I'll answer that in a, sort of a couple of ways. The uh, the first one is how I diligence Coinbase, and the reason it's relevant is the market has definitely changed a lot. But the uh, when when I I was talking to Brian Armstrong, I was at a coffee shop called Red Rock. I like giving Red Rock credit because I've backed a couple massive companies from it. But the uh, it's in Mountain View. You guys should try it out. Go hang out there, founders. Yeah, <laughs> check it out. Uh, it's good luck. It's a good luck place. Um, I, uh, but when, when, when I say yes, I had never heard of Bitcoin. I had never heard of digital currencies. And that was why I actually met with Brian and he explained this whole, like, we're going to be on one financial infrastructure as a world and society. And I was like, that's a pretty big vision. He was the first founder to ever say this could be a trillion dollar opportunity. He's wrong. It's like a $2 trillion opportunity <laughs> today. Um, and he, uh, and so I called all these people. So I was like, you know, you call people. And I was like, hey, can I talk to anyone? And every single person you connected me to and every single person I reached out to, uh, one of them actually was the founder of uh, Abra, but at the time it was called Boom Financial, uh, Bill Bardite. Uh, I, I ended up talking to all these people and they were all just the smartest, like most ambitious people like it when you're in an area where it's like all the smartest most ambitious like crazy people uh they were a little nuts like all of them a little like and still that is true like everyone's a little bit of deer. uh and the uh and so i i'd say like doing diligence is really about 
like I un- I understand people and I, I I'm an investor for a long time. Like I'm not a trader. So like James and I probably have a different system. My my system is buy hold forever. Uh, and I'm not good. It turns out because crypto is like the test of venture and being a hedge fund, right? Like it's like, am I going to hold for 10 years or am I going to like get out in three weeks? And like the, uh, and I, we, we at Boost VC, we, we decided early on when we realized this was going to be a decision that we had to make, make, we very much hold for a long, long time. Uh, Decentraland, we've been in for about four years. Uh, I mean, Bitcoin, we've been in for a very long time. The, um, so we try to invest like we're going to be owners for a long time. I, I think Charlie Munger says, uh, if you if you don't want to hold it for five minutes, uh, five years, don't hold it for five minutes. I think that's the thing. Unless it's super fun. That's my <laughs> added quote to it. Unless it's yeah. a super fun thing to do. And I think uh, follow where people are having the most fun and you'll do very, very well is sort of my uh, my my new uh, trend. Um, I th- yeah. So, uh, I mean, on the diligence side, it's like do diligence, like don't listen to your best friend or your like, like do look into it, read about it. There's so much information online. Uh, and also, you know, what's crazy about the crypto space? You could literally call anyone. Like you could email or text or call and everyone will respond to an email, text or call. Like, and they'll all say, they'll, they, we all want the market to grow. So we want new people in. So we're like very accepting of anyone who's, who's coming in. So if, if, you, if you email someone and, hey, what do you think about the X, Y, Z? Like, we'll probably have a template response, but we'll respond, right? Like we're going get, to get back to you and try to help you understand the market better. Look at... You know, read the Bitcoin white paper. I generally just point people to Bitcoin and Ethereum if they're just starting out. Like yeah. it, it's just buy a little, figure it out. I forget yeah. what the question was, but I think it's that, all, no. It sounds like you're kind of gravitating towards you know founders and like people that are, are kind of like counterculture, but like pushing boundaries. And like when you see a bunch of smart people all in a room, you're like, okay, what's going on over there? And you've had enough experience where you can gain their trust because a lot of times those folks are looking around at I think at VCs and going like. You know, are, are you a founder VC? Or are you just a VC person? Did you, where, did you do before? I, th- I think the difference between founders and like normal people uh, and that uh, like crypto, crypto especially is like where everyone else sees uh, obstacles, they see opportunity. And it's like always, that's always what it is. It's like if every, everyone's like, no, you couldn't do that because of X, Y, Z. That person's like, well, I'm pretty sure I could do X, Y, Z. So definitely going to do that and you want to find the people who just like don't see the barriers they're just like this is how the world works okay i'll change it but yeah i don't yeah. know great answer great answer and then i david i wanted to ask you this kind of same diligence question but from almost like a grayscale position where you know you had bitcoin fund you've got other kind of um you know mixed funds now and you know i saw there's other ones on the horizon i mean how are you guys doing diligence around what's next there Great question. You know, I think, you know, first and foremost, I mean, you know, obviously Grayscale, you know, doesn't give kind of investment investment advice, but when we think about our products, you know, what we're looking at is really just finding things that we think are both going to be, you know, compelling opportunities for our clients. And we, you know, obviously want to put them through kind of the rigorous tests of, you know, things that we have to do to bring them to, you know, U.S. markets. And I, I have a view, right, and I just kind of want to step back and kind of explain kind of the way that 
you know, we kind of see crypto or I see crypto and kind of think about kind of the evolution of, you know, what the space, you know, where it's come from, you know, what's going on here and kind of maybe where it's going just to give some high level framing for folks. So, you know, I think Adam, you know, brought up a good point, which is what uh, Brian said, which is that we're all going to kind of be on, you know, one system. And, and what's happening here is the internet, in my view, is really becoming its own emerging market digital economy, right? These are like countries in the cloud, things like Ethereum. These are their own internet native, you know, global kind of self-sovereign cloud economies. And if you think about what is happening here with, with this transformation of the internet from these kind of centralized owned, you know, economies by the big tech companies, right? What's happening is these, these economies, these cloud economies are really maturing kind of similar to what you would think maybe a physical economy might look like as it matured. And like the early waves of that have been things like uh, value, money, trust around a financial system, right? And that's really kind of what we saw with, you know, Bitcoin, Litecoin, Zcash, those kind of early waves of uh, the kind of first successful wave of assets. And, you know, the next wave, right, if you think about any maturing economy is after you have a system for money and value, right, what do you need next? You need a, a system of courts and you need a system for incorporating business. And that is really this cloud infrastructure of things like, you know, Ethereum and Solana that really gave you, you know, smart contracts for really legal agreements to launch incorporate digital businesses and run this logic. And from that, you've had, you know, this wave of businesses start to be built within these, you know, respective various economies. And, you know, the first probably most successful wave that folks have really seen, you know, take uh, market share really was decentralized finance. So just like in a traditional economy, you're going to need a financial sector to finance the building and, and the creation and growth of everything else in the traditional economy. And, and this is the same thing that happened with, you know, the U.S. in its early days. The financial sector was a large share of uh, the economy there, really the largest share for some time. But now what we're seeing is that as this economy has matured, this financial sector is really starting to finance other really kind of key areas of the crypto economy. And that's really going into things like NFTs, which are really a new consumer segment. And this consumer segment is really, you know, looking at this digital economy and saying people want to have social experiences. They want to have value across these things, just like we all, you know, purchase cars and we purchase art and we purchase other things. And, you know, where that's transforming next, you know, in my view has really been um, that, you know, obviously the infrastructure has to be built out to kind of enable some of the next wave. And this is kind of the web three tech and that infrastructure on the cloud side to enable what eventually I think becomes right. Like, thing everyone is really talking about today, which is this kind of metaverse type of virtual internet reality world. And I think that that's kind of where we're headed, or at least that's kind of the theme and narrative that, that you know, I kind of think about from, from my lens of kind of looking at the world. And uh, that's kind of the evolution that, you know, might be useful for helping folks contextualize what is happening here. Yeah, and just one more question. It's, it's you know, people have been talking the last two years, like, oh, the, this Bitcoin ETF is going to come. This Bitcoin ETF is going to come. And it's like, people have been buying GBTC in their retirement accounts for years now. Like, what's the delineation there? Like, why like why does that matter? Why does ETF matter versus what people could already do with the funds? Well, I think that, you know, for some people, I think that it's just as kind of a stamp of um, maturity which is really a step forward. And I think that that's a good thing. So, you know, I think some folks view an ETF as a sign of, 
you know, maturity of the, you know, crypto economy kind of coming into the mainstream with, you know, the regular, you know, the U.S. you know, financial system. And I think that that's uh, obviously a good sign for kind of growth and investment uh, to come. Cool. I think it's uh, trust, right? Like uh, the cri- crypto communities build trust with the rest of the world to make it le- legitimate. And uh, ETF is a sign that the traditional financial system it cares, right? By the way, David, that was awesome. I was like, I was like, I, I, while you were like talking about the emergence of like computing, like all that stuff, I was picturing us and we're at like stage one of like, digital economies so we're like uh gilgamesh with shells like trading shells or whatever with the uh and I, I was like oh wow we're gonna look back on this in a thousand years and be like wow they did that that's ridiculous <laughs> so uh, I, did, I just want to say like thank you for the like imagination trip i just went on <laughs> I, I just got up another live stream with a a project uh, vidt that's um, they they've turned Rembrandts into NFTs, and now we're talking about like the metaverse, and you know, walking into an art collection in a metaverse and being able to buy this Rembrandt. You know, it's like you actually could do that now. Like it's actual. Like obviously, it's not. There's not a ton of scale there, but it's definitely possible, and it's going to start happening um, pretty quickly. Um, Can I add one comment on top of that? Sure. Like I think it's a great point, right? Like people look at NFTs maybe from the outside, and they say, look this is so silly. How could you pay this money for this digital artwork? And how can it be worth this much? And I think that if you step back and you have this lens that I just described, like if Ethereum or Solana is literally a new economy, but it's in the cloud and that's what it is in a hundred years from now, it's in my view, like if you own one of the blue chip, the top early collections, it's like investing in like, you know, post French, like revolutionary art and like, owning something from like the early formation of the society and like what that becomes in terms of cultural significance over five, 10, a hundred years, you know, I think it's um, maybe, maybe you should follow Adam's, you know, philosophy on the kind of don't sell, uh, but that's not investment advice. Uh, just, just, <laughs> just keep reiter- reiterating well, I, that. I think humans spend more money on frivolous things, right? Like uh, more frivolous things. Like um, if I own a board ape and I'm shopping it on Twitter, like people see that and it's a status symbol that like people see that. And the, uh, but, it, and I'm online, what, eight hours a day and it's persistently there and people are viewing it where I buy a Lamborghini and I drive it for five minutes a day or whatever. And for the same purpose, which is to show that I own a Lamborghini probably, or to drive it fast on a race car track, but I haven't seen that use case before. Um, the, the, uh, yeah, like I, I think, I think NFT, I mean, I have a whole thesis on NFT. I think NFTs are going to be the thing that like transcend everything. So I'm, I'm very excited about them. Starting yeah. with status. I think. Status yeah. And it's difficult to explain value. to people who are like, oh, these things are just JPEGs. Well, you know, it's kind of the same as like when people get, you know, the first kind of high paying job and they're like, I can't believe they're paying me this much money. It's like, well, if they're paying it, they're, you're worth it, right? If people are paying this, they're they're worth it because they're worth it to those people and there's something there. Um, George, right, do you own any NFTs? That. I'm sorry? Do you own any NFTs? No, I don't. But but I think what, um, what Adam was just speaking about is, again, kind of hitting the nail on the head. That could be, you know, the gateway, the Trojan horse for a lot of other things to come. I think that one of the things that, you know, we're just talking about and nicking the tip of the iceberg with artwork. But but in my mind, um, again, coming from the securities background, 
And I look at all the different assets that are out there that will be tokenized or digitized. And obviously commercial real estate is one that's just absolutely got, you know, a massive bullseye around. And I know people are already doing commercial real estate in a very, very small scale, but over time, whether it's artwork or collectibles or commercial real estate, zero doubt that this is going to be tokenization of everything. Yeah, it was, and when I when I asked you guys what you guys were going to give everyone for the holidays, I was hoping someone would say NFTs because I feel it's like Adam, like you were saying, you know, you used to give people Bitcoin, and Bitcoin was the first way in, or a little bit of Ethereum, and now it's NFTs, right? And and someone wants to go buy a Top Shots, or they want to go get in there, and they have to figure out what these addresses are and how to do it, and it's something fun for them to pursue, and we're kind of moving into this next stage of UX and you know, metaverses, and it's just a more fun way to get people on board and everyone becomes an investor because everything. Good idea. I'm going to, I'm going to buy some right now for my family. <laughs> I mean, I did. Can't like I can't believe I'm the one that gave the idea. No one cared uh, about the crypto kitty. When I did now, now everyone's going to be like, this could be like Bored Ape. And yes. Like, yeah. I think yeah, it's yeah, changed. Sure. Um, I, I want to hop into the most exciting thing we could possibly talk about, which is stable coins. Um, and uh, Deepak, maybe you could talk a little bit about, I mean, where, where do stable coins have a place in someone's portfolio? Yeah, what are some of these other options that are available to people that, you know, are utilizing stable coins? It's like, you know, you think, I, I don't know what the APY is on the local Wells Fargo savings account right now, but it's probably less than what Terra is paying on Anchor. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's a great question. So, um, is for me, it just, uh, if, you know, I, I've been a crypto investor, so I have a portfolio. And um, to me, uh, stable coins as part of the portfolio just brings the stability. Um, everything else is super volatile as a function of where the market is going. Stable coin, by definition, is spectral value of whatever the fiat that is. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a good um, sort of a stability element to your portfolio. Uh, the other thing is that, uh, you know, yeah, you're right. Uh, the best savings account um, probably gives you, what, 0.5% in the U.S. Um, and uh, I know we, I think we revised the rates to 9%. They're like, you know, in DeFi, that's crazy, 25, 30, 50% APYs. And so, um, you know, you have cash that's sitting there and generating that type of yield for you. That's a no-brainer. Um, but at the same time, just, uh, you know, just from my perspective, um, the third element that stablecoin brings to me is just having that reserved um, tokenized form of cash that I can use to buy a dip. Um, I think that's where I, I probably personally see the most uh, use uh, is because, you know, like uh, have, using an on-ramp, getting cash in, doing uh, all of that stuff um, to buy a dip. Um, it takes time and you might probably lose the opportunity. And so for me, it's a good, you know, it's just right there and I can use it anytime to buy into any crypto that I'd like. Um, so those are, those are some of the things that, you know, um, I, I look at stable coins and I find very valuable. Yeah. And, and James, are you, when you're trading, are you trading back into stable coins when you're moving around? Or I, I feel like there's such an opportunity for folks are trading back into USD and, and they're, you know, maybe they don't know how long they're going to hold that depending on what some of, of cash they're using. But if I can trade back, why aren't I trading back into a stable coin that's, that's getting me 8% at that moment in time? So I would say, absolutely. I, I kind of feel like I'm allergic to dollars at this point. Uh, I really, what I use them for as a cash alternative. Uh, I, when I'm exiting out of my trades, I go back into stable coins. Uh, it makes it, it makes me much more responsive and nimble. 
depending on where the opportunity is, I can put the cash there 24 hours a day, uh, put it to work. And then uh, it is a side benefit that you can go into some of these different uh, platforms and protocols that will pay you interest to park your assets there. That's great. Um, but absolutely, I mean, just the ability to use it to pay people, to buy things, to, to hide out and be ready for when that dip happens is um, pretty much is a key to my current strategy. Yeah. And, and George, on the new exchange, are you guys going to be utilizing stable coins in some of the pairings? Is it going to be USD, fiat on ramps? What does that look like? So at launch, it'll be, uh, we'll have Tether as the main stable coin on there. And um, we'll probably be rolling out further coins as we launch and what the demand dictates. So, you know, yesterday was very interesting with the U.S. government coming down and speaking about stable coins and potentially wanted to turn the issuers into financial institutions. And I, I hope they seriously reconsider a lot of this. Now, that being said, I think that in stable coins, you do have to make sure you going back to due diligence, that you have to look at who the issuer is and make sure you understand the collateral. Because what we found coming out of 2008 is if you have something that is over collateralized, but the underlying collateral is junk, all you have is more junk. And so I'm not pointing fingers, but like everything else we've discussed on the panel, it really gets down to individual investors and traders, you know, doing a little bit of due diligence and finding out what's going on and making sure they're making the right choice. But I do like it um, for the for the lending and borrowing component where you don't have to really worry about the underlying nav because there's no volatility price fluctuation as opposed to some other coins. We might have to worry about margin. So I think stable coins will pave the way really for, you know, digital dollars or CBDCs and things of that nature. And I think the governments around the world have been watching these things very, very closely and hopefully they, they copy them in a good way. And we, we always talk about this with CBDCs uh, like all the time, because we were like, okay, the US government decides to do this. What what chain do they build on? Like what, Algorand? Like, like, how, like how do you decide that? Where does it get settled? Do they create their own? Or do we just have validators in every, like, you know, um, every treasury building? Like, how does this work? Where are the servers? And I think it's kind of interesting to think like, well, are they going to build something brand new? Like 98% of dollars are already digital. It's just an interesting question to figure out, do they build on Ethereum? Like every transaction is going to cost $84 for the next two years. Like how does this, this whole thing work? I don't know. It's an open question for anyone. I mean, I, are I, you I, specifically I think, government? Yeah. Back? If you're a government, if you're a government and you want to, and you want a CBDC, which chain do you build it on? Well, you, you know what, I, uh, and I don't mean to bash the government because that's too classic crypto, okay? But when I read the Financial Times, it's like reading history. Like it happened a long time ago, everything. And they're all proposing things that will be irrelevant in about six months. And uh, like every time I read it, I I just think at some point they, you know, it's let, let, the, let the internet be the country it's going to deserve to be and like let it, let it roam and be free and i think we that's that's the market that we have to keep free and it's gonna that's the battle that's gonna be over the next right now it's like a war between facebook google it's the the big five battle between that and the government and the crypto next just skating by right underneath that like and then crypto just gets to be there like trying like we're just doing we're doing our thing like we're just building our things and then then all of a sudden it's the thing that frees everyone from like internet hi hierarchy so i yeah i don't know i'm 
Is the, does the Financial Times, does their website also have that pinkish hue that the paper yeah, is, does uh, it? It's, I, I just, I actually subscribe to the Financial Times. I'm like, hey, I got to do something consistently, right? Like I got to have a thing. And I thought it was going to be Financial Times, but every time I read it, it's like them, the, all the governments getting together at G20 and talking about how we're really hoping that like climate change is going to be better than the next 10 years and not doing anything. Like, and then printing more money and not doing anything. So I, I don't know. Like, is my faith a little low? Yeah. But also I see everyday entrepreneurs actually doing things without the capital. And like that gives me hope, right? Like, so I see this, these, this tool, we have to bridge that gap somehow. Yeah. Any other comments on CBDCs or should I move to the next one? Move, move to the next one. It is. So um, <laughs> where, where, you know, we, you guys and, and David, you were kind of touching on a little bit too, you know, where, where do the next, you know, I know Google's always like the next billion users, right? Where do they come from? Cause that's what they have to think about. But where do our next billion users come from in crypto? And maybe David, you could start us. It's a great question. Uh, I think if we look at kind of where users have been coming from lately, that maybe is one indication because I think as we're entering this consumer segment of crypto's application, you know, obviously the consumer economy is the part of the economy that everyone interacts with, right? We, you know, we all obviously have bank accounts, but people aren't necessarily figuring out how to invest and do DeFi and, you know, setting up digital, you know, financial systems, right? But everyone's kind of buying something, some digital goods. People are mostly for the most part engaged in the, you know, the entertainment culture and, I think what's happening now with NFTs is, you know, one piece of that, you're seeing a lot of mainstream social figures, right? I mean, celebrities, right? Like that's the easy way to say it. Artists, celebrities, these people are getting involved in these things. And that's probably one way that folks move into these. Cause I think right now people are actually going to start owning crypto in ways that they don't even know. And I think, you know, the first, I mean, the hardest part about getting over it, Crypto, like getting into crypto, the really the hardest part is just setting up a wallet, writing down your seed phrase, writing it down again so you don't lose it, putting it in two places, and like taking ownership of your security and your assets. And then once people get over that hump, it's like you're in. And you know, I think that that's kind of the, the one hurdle we need to get to. But but I think as we kind of move to you know, these things, right? The consumer parts, the gaming parts, the things that are more entertainment related. I think that that's probably uh, part of it. And, um, you know, but again, I think, I think this whole thing just continues to grow because there's, there's just a ton of innovation happening here. Yeah, it still does, does feel early. Go ahead, James. So I was going to say, I, there's no doubt in my mind, this comes from a combination of NFTs and metaverse that's exposed to a variety of these retail consumer platforms like Twitter, PlayStation, and Burger King, where we have these crossovers between our physical and, and virtual lives. And that just naturally brings people in. And they, you know, what, what uh, David's talking about, the complexity of the wallets, this stuff starts to go away when it's as easy to sign up for PlayStation as it's to get your wallets. And those communities are really where we should see that big influx of users that are using these assets without necessarily even knowing they're using the, the crypto assets. Yeah, we're still waiting for that Pokemon Go moment, you know, where everyone's just like doesn't know they're being trained about what like mixed reality is. And it's like, I still feel like we're at a part with crypto where, 
you know, you're, you still have to explain it from the beginning. Like, well, the double spend problem, blah, blah, blah. It's like, imagine on Instagram, if you had to explain, well, TCP IP and it connects to this computer that has more data, we're still there and we need to get past that. Um, and so I want to hop to my next question that we got a couple, like a minute left here. Um, snap your fingers, boom, this tool exists in our space, um, in our industry. Like, what do you wish was built fully at scale right now that's not, and it can't be NFTs or metaverse? A, a platform for lawyers to share their knowledge around crypto that can have a consistent message. Okay. I like yeah. that. I like that. I go back to a comment I made earlier, which is the tokenization of everything. It would be phenomenal if I could buy, I think uh, either Michael Saylor or Tim was speaking about it during their session. If I could buy a floor of a building or one corner of a building. And again, that's just one example of things that are going to be coming down the pike. It could be classic cars. It could be art, as we're already, you were discussing with the Rembrandt. Um, you know, you look in the bond world, credit card receivables, auto receivables, all these things are going to be tokenized. And um, I think that's going to be fascinating when that comes. Yeah, I think to, to just add to that, I would say that uh, one of the examples that, that come to mind is like super, like to me, it's like, it's a no brainer is probably airline miles or credit card points. I, I have like once I knew what the tech was and you know what a utility token is and so on and so forth. Um, it was just a no brainer for me to like okay why why doesn't why have hasn't anybody sort of taken that tokenized it and put it on the blockchain and make it super fungible with other assets bring that efficiency to the whole system. Uh, yeah, this is a specific example of what Josh just mentioned. Yeah. Last two. I think uh, the whole purpose of crypto is unlocking uh, sort of financial products that we've had roughly in the United States to the whole world. Uh, my, if I could snap my fingers, would be owning a million acres of the ocean. So because I believe we need to unlock capital to real world problems, and that would be awesome. Uh, so that's that would be my that would be my it works yeah great answer that's uh that's called seasteading I've, I've read the book yeah there's a book <laughs> called seasteading I read, yeah I'm, I'm i i'm all about it i think it's a cool idea that's for, for folks who don't know it's, it's you start you start your own communities governed in, in the ocean um i'm gonna just give like two practical things that are like kind of at an infrastructure level that are just like pain points that exist but maybe it could be better I think one, just like doing taxes with crypto is hard. And um, I think like we all try really hard at it. And I think we all spend a lot of time on it. And I think for the most part, people get it right. But it's just really hard. And um, I think so, so solutions around that would be would be kind of one area I think still have some opportunity in like the business kind of infrastructure world. And then the other part, which still kind of exists, but maybe not at like, you know, the quality that it could would be just like, portfolio tracking software, and this is kind of along the same lines, right? That can really cross a lot of assets with, you know, your, you know, complex NFT portfolios, both your crypto with a lot of assets included and, and move into your traditional realm of traditional assets as these markets, you know, obviously merge and become part of a larger global economy. So. Yeah. Great answer. The, the data is there, right? It should be possible. I, also adding on to David's thing, if, if I could have my accountants not, know if I did well or not throughout the year. 
to, to it's it's to, they charge more. Uh, <laughs> a ZK, a ZK Snark version of it, yeah. slightly gouged. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. Talk, talk, talk to Horizon Zen. Yeah. Cool, you guys. Well, well, James, George, Deepak, David, Adam, thank you guys. Um, plethora of knowledge coming from all of you with investing across the entire uh, ecosystem. So truly appreciate it. It was a pleasure. And you guys have a good rest of your day and we'll hand it back to, to Jessica. Thank you.